Welcome to the latest installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by a panel of industry leaders as we discuss the following topic, unmasking tech's imposter syndrome. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's just make our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of the workplace. Jason, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, sure, mate. Um, yeah, my name's Jason Sim. I'm uh, actually originally from uh, Australia, but uh, been over here in Denmark now for oh, about the last uh, 14 years or so, I think it is now. So it's, it's been a while. But um, yeah, so I've been working now for over 20 years in the in the telco IT industry. Um, worked uh, quite long with uh, with Ericsson and uh, yeah in the, in the IOT area and uh, yeah a, a lot with the mobile mobile networks and stuff like this but over recent years I've I've moved into kind of um, more in the IT cloud side so I moved to a consultancy company uh, 3FS which is uh, which is focused on yeah IOT and cloud um, so yeah um, yeah that's me and then what what else was it that you you wanted it was also uh, <laughs> some sort of uh, other info from me aside from work yeah um, go for it yeah yeah sure um i've got uh, yeah so i guess i'm i'm quite interested in music used to be like a, a you know like a heavy metal fan when i was uh, back in my younger years long hair down my waist and stuff like this so that was a that, that's kind of a, a bat to my core but uh, yeah um definitely definitely music's a large part of my life and uh yes yeah, so i play guitar and uh and, and piano and stuff like this um although interestingly enough in in more recent times i've uh, gotten into a bit of a uh, opera singing so nice. something uh something a bit different so you know that's what happens as you get a bit older <laughs> is it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's, that's my view anyway but uh yeah you know okay. interest change or yeah i know you you expand your horizons a little bit i think so cool no i appreciate the introduction it's, it's interesting to hear um nicholas introduce yourself to, to the audience mate sure so um my name is nicholas Kraft. i'm uh i'm working for ibm um I'm co-leading an organization of 140 people in the consultancy area. So we're doing a lot of different stuff with tech, uh, all kinds of things uh, from building cool things for very, very huge companies to uh, managing uh, processes and uh, people and uh, and imposter syndrome uh, (laughs) as well. So that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, I think I'm the youngest guy in the call here, uh, by the looks of it. I'm 30 years of age. I've been in the industry for six or seven years, I think. Um, and and of course, I think this is an interesting topic for me to talk about because I am so young and already uh, a second line manager um, and, and became a manager at the age of 26 as well. So I've experienced a lot of imposter syndrome in, in many situations myself, I believe. So that's a really interesting aspect. Um, and in my private life, I live my with my wife and daughter um, in a little house. And we have a dog. Uh, and in my spare time, I like to play Dungeons and Dragons. That's the kind of nerd I am. <laughs> nice. So we've got. A I'm gamer. not old enough to uh, to sing opera yet. <laughs> I was going to say we've got a gamer, an opera singer, Leandro. You're up next, mate. What, what, what's your story? Thank you, Jake. Hello, everybody. My name is Leandro Maccherini. 
I'm coming from Italy, but I moved to Denmark and now I live in Copenhagen since uh, 2020. So I was lucky enough to run out of Italy slightly before everything happened uh, in Europe with this big pandemic. Um, but I had a lucky chance to enjoy Denmark uh, from the start, so I can't complain at all. I'm um, I'm a manager in Sanders, uh, and basically uh, my job duties are related to the operations, so organizing, improving efficiencies from the tech perspective, from the people perspective, from the cost perspective. And uh, I also, like Nicholas, um, went through this uh, topic of imposter syndrome, and I believe that I was also suffering in the past. So this is a very interesting topic also for me to talk about uh, together with everybody. Regarding my personal life, I just live with my girlfriend, no child at the moment, uh, no cats so we can travel uh, and we are always uh, ready to go in the middle of the nature because we like to go in the forest, uh, apply some bushcraft uh, skill together and uh, that's why I have this weird passion for paracord and surviving. Amazing. Hi everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, a Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now we've established the context of each of you, it's best to move on to the topic in focus. You've all got a question or a statement or something to do with imposter syndrome. So if you could just provide your initial question or statement, give some context behind it, that would be great. But Nicholas, I think it would be best if we run through what imposter syndrome actually means to you, and then we can make our way around the room. Right. So uh, I'd like to, yeah, I, I can definitely start on, on that topic. So um, if, if we start by unfolding imposter syndrome, I, uh, I like always to think of about it in 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 five different um, types of of imposter syndrome, because it it, it can happen in many ways, right? Um, my wife, for instance, <laughs> is a perfectionist, so she is quite anxious over how things are done and everything needs to to get done in the right way, and and if it's not, then then of course you have the feelings that you're not doing quite enough. Um, there also uh, the expert, as uh, um, sources would like to call it, which is the fear of actually having the lack of knowledge when you when you try and do something. Um, this one, I, I think I've experienced a lot myself, um, but overcome it quite a lot due to uh, not knowing anything <laughs> for a very, very long time. So we're getting, getting so used to it that, um, that I had to get rid of that feeling, uh, I think. There's also the, the soloist which um, is the, the pressure to handle things alone. And uh, we have the natural genius as well, which uh, is when you stress out over not succeeding on the first try. And uh, I, I, I can definitely see that in many organizations, especially with the 
young people coming into to uh, to the businesses um having the fear of failing and the last one uh, the superhuman which is uh, the 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 feeling of having guilt when uh, when they have don't uh, when when they don't please everyone so uh, basically the the urge to to feel like everyone should be happy at all times and if they're not often you you see yourself in situations where you have to disappoint someone because that's better for business or whatever and 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 that's also uh, one of the reasons for imposter syndrome so so having having talked about well what is the the uh, the area the topic that we're driving into here i would like to uh, to ask the question what, can you see yourself what are your previous experiences with uh, either having experienced one of these kind of types yourselves or having someone in your team who you who you have led at some point in time what are your experiences on that yeah i mean you know i, I think that when, when i when i think about uh, you know i mean the the whole concept of uh, of imposter syndrome right like where where it actually came from right my understanding from my little bit of research back on on the on the internet right i mean th there was some uh, research done back uh, back in the 70s right about um <clears throat> about how uh, women particularly felt um uh, uh where uh with regards to anxiety etc in the workplace right so that the original term actually came about from uh from particularly underrepresented uh, a study done on underrepresented and, and and females in the workplace right and uh so you know when i when i think about this you know i think about it, particularly my own experience back in uh in in tech being involved in you know an engineering industry you know starting at the, at the the turn of the century, so to speak. I'm I'm that old. <laughs> um, um, I I remember a little bit like kind of this 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 a little bit of this attitude, a little bit a bit of a systemic attitude towards towards females at that particular time, which actually was that um, a lot of women were not actually as good engineers. I mean, there was there was just a it was kind of like a environment, you know, certain communication was around that, right? Um, so, you know, I, uh, and it maybe it's a little bit, uh, it's a bit unfortunate within this panel here that we don't actually have uh, a female here kind of like talk about it from their perspective, considering that's kind of where this, the, the kind of where the point kind of came about, right. And this whole terminology was, was originally created. Um, because, uh, you know, then, then you also think about how, um, I mean, from our perspective, being being men within the tech industry, you know, that I mean, we even feel it to a certain extent. You know, people can easily say, "Ah, oh, yeah." I mean, everybody experiences imposter syndrome at some point. You know, every time that you that you go into a new role, that you're stepping into something new that you don't know, you you don't have experience in that, particularly when you're, let's say, climbing the ladder, right? So you know it's a, it's a little bit easy to kind of trivialize it like this, right? But there are some people who feel it like constantly, all the time, right? Like it's a, a form of anxiety, a form of you know it can manifest itself in depression as well, right? So I, I think we have to be a little bit uh, careful to kind of like not correlate necessarily our own experiences just as as, as we are and saying that that's everybody else's experience of what uh, imposter syndrome is like for them, right? So so you know I I just you know I think this is kind of important to kind of like frame it a little bit in this context at least from my perspective, right? 
I agree totally, if I may, because uh, I was also reading and studying a bit, uh, going deeper to the topic. I'm very curious, so as long as I have a topic, I go through the internet and I start Googling and opening tons mm -hmm. of tab uh, in uh, in Chrome or Edge. Uh, so that's a, a very important point not to uh, just focus on uh, our situation, uh, what we were experiencing or just what we see around because there are tons of different phase of this uh, of this syndrome. I was also um, reading somewhere that uh, is not really considered a disease uh, properly as a mental disease, but it's really close. There is the, there are still debating uh, how to treat it, how to considering it and uh, and also how much time invest in finding the right uh, path to um, to help the people that are suffering because of course there are maybe I'm talking about my personal situation of course so it's just a, a small uh, a small point of view but um, I was suffering I was able uh, thanks to my friends my family to just uh, understand where I, uh, where I was uh, who I was uh, setting again the, the zero point understanding that I was not a fraud and then uh having my chance to um, to solve it somehow but still now in people that i know as a friend or people as i know in the companies uh maybe they suffer more from the working perspective and they don't have uh, the luck to have this support around them to have them understanding uh, that it's just a condition it's just a momentary situation because uh, the the promotion of a new first line manager uh, and so on and so on so that's uh, that's really important also for the people that are listening to understand that everybody have his own experience and maybe is not really related to one single point or one single uh, type of uh, imposter syndrome but maybe still related also if it's not written anywhere yeah yeah exactly and 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 you know i i think that uh i mean like what you're saying in terms of support etc right i mean i, I think this feeling of uh, i mean an imposter in itself right i mean the definition kind of says that i'm i'm by myself i'm like a, a fraud amongst others right like i'm mm. i'm an imposter i'm the odd, odd person out so i think this kind of like feeling of isolation right you're saying that you know i mean i'm i'm a fake here everybody also else is authentic right and uh, so you know this kind of uh, th this kind of feeling that uh, the that you have uh, you know I, I mentioned before that you know you can um uh, this feeling of isolation and then th that resulting in feelings of depression and, and anxiety right um that maybe some of the ways that you end up like or some of the strategies that you you evolve um are similar kind of things that people will do with if they have those kind of i mean which are diagnosable conditions right um so for example like you say community support group like uh the the having some sort of trusted mentor or trusted uh person that you know that you can relate to i, I you know having I think also having a le leaders uh, who can be mentors or someone that you refer to, some sort of role model, right, who also can illustrate, communicate vulnerability as well, because, you know, this kind of uh, this kind of doubt, this self-doubt, I mean, it's a type of vulnerability and seeing the people that you maybe look up to 
who also can basically say, yeah, I mean, I have this feeling as well. This, These were circumstances in which I felt like this, yeah, throughout my career or this, right? So then you can kind of go, okay, I mean, somebody I can relate to. Now I have like some sort of a a, a support group as well, my manager or, or the people around me, right? I think that's also something as leaders that we we need to make sure that we we foster this kind of community within our uh, organizations right so so basically so that uh, we we have a a feeling of of not being isolated you know which is one of the core parts of of feeling uh, in, like an imposter right i i definitely agree um just jumping down into uh that topic which you are unraveling a bit here jason um I think psychological safety is a major thing that needs to be in place for people actually overcoming uh, imposter syndrome. And 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 just to be clear, imposter syndrome is is something I think everyone experiences just a tiny bit or a lot at any point in time in their in their life, right? So it's but but somehow it's it still becomes a taboo to to actually reveal that 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 you have these feelings and and. I think we can all agree that the goal should probably be to 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 not have those negative feelings having the imposter syndrome it it both is a very uh not so great place to be from an emotional perspective but also it actually impacts your results quite a lot when when you want to work and you really want to 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 succeed it it clouds your, your mind quite a lot but you're not able to overcome imposter syndrome unless you accept first that you have it that you have the psychological safety and the environment or the mentors of the community or whatever we, we can put in place to actually be open about that these feelings are okay. It's somebody everyone has. And 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 talking through that is also um one of the ways that that we need to get through it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I mean, particularly in 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 tech, right? I mean, you know, they talk about like this uh, in syndrome being particularly prevalent in tech. Uh, and why why is that? Why 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 do you think I mean particularly in tech? And, and and this is to do with I mean part of the feeling of, of feeling an imposter of being an imposter right is that um, is that you don't know something right uh, that you are being you're moving into new areas and stuff like this right and and tech technology wise I mean in business model wise all this kind of stuff right it's moving so fast mm-hmm. right that you can feel like as a as a person in this industry that you're always playing catch up that you're never on top of of what it is right there's always some new information some will throw new acronyms at you that you have no idea what they mean right and you're you're just expected you you're you're in a meeting and people are talking about it as a matter of fact as like as if everybody knows what it what what these things are right and then you're going uh okay just nod and smile you know just uh, this kind of stuff right but but I mean, this happens all the time, and and in this industry, we're we're faced with this all the time, right? So so I, I think that we we have also a, a challenge in this type of learning environment to uh, that is on top of you know maybe you could say other industries which are a little bit more stable, right? Because you know they say tech is disrupting the world, right? So so um uh, this kind of uh, idea of uh, I mean, both having the like, like what you said, Nicholas, like having this kind of like a support group. I mean, you know, the the kind of safe environment for you to be able to admit vulnerability and and actually have others share their vulnerability as well. But it's also, I think, relating to the learning environment that you create, right? So so that you basically allow people to 
like say like uh, upskill in a, in a in a comfortable way for them not basically forcing them to to that judging them on their capabilities and not in their capability to learn and stuff like this right so so this this is i think something that is also very important within within all of this is you know thinking within our teams how uh, how we deal with learning and learning as a group as well right so a little bit to uh, focus on, you know, maybe it's a little bit of socialistic <laughs> view <laughs> to a certain extent, but I mean, you know, I mean, we talk about community, we talk about this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I, I, I definitely recognize the, the aspect you mentioned regarding uh, <laughs> tech industry moves so fast at all times that you never can know every, everything. So in, in, in our industry, I, I think we, we are experiencing a lot of, of that type of, of imposter syndrome, right? That that you don't have the feeling, and and especially for for young professionals coming into the market, I think um, you get used to it at some point in time. But but actually, now that you mentioned it, Jason, and of course also you, uh, Leonardo, um, what are your experiences dealing with that type of um, uh, imposter syndrome? So so lacking the knowledge and feeling okay about not having it. That's a very interesting question. Uh, to be honest, um, most of the time in my team, there are people that uh, don't know how to deal and are coming to me to ask for some answer. Usually is the, is the quickest and they want the answer immediately. And that's where I find myself in a difficult position because of course this is also for me to just provide the answer immediately. So everybody's happy, nobody risks to be demotivated uh, or uh, depressed uh, or having some trigger for imposter syndrome. But of course uh, uh, I see like you all uh, the role of uh, guiding and try to put all the empathy possible on the table. So that's something that I'm trying to do uh, as much as I can with everybody. And then telling them, okay, in the, this is the moment that you don't have the skills, so uh, you need to learn them. So now you can't answer this topic, but you will in a f with your time, with your learning curve in one week, one month, one year. So of course, uh, everything can't stop for one year for receiving an answer in the in the working environment of course but uh, that's something that i'm starts tipping and throwing the the stone in the lake to start moving a bit some waves in a way that is not just a news when comes the moment that they really need to step up the game and they will feel a bit more confident also because it's not the first time that they heard about it but it's the second or the third or the fourth so it's just a question of creating some habits around it but of course mm. it's just uh, my idea one of the millions probably <laughs> yeah I'm, i mean what what I, I can probably talk about like a little bit of an, an anecdote from i guess earlier on in my career right i mean i was uh, uh, a systems integrator engineer uh, for for Ericsson back, and it was I was working. It was maybe about five years in, in to, that I've been working at Ericsson. And um, one of the things that they actually introduced there was a result of one of their uh, their customers basically uh, trying to benchmark the quality of the people who were assigned to projects on them, right? And so they basically said, uh, we want to basically set us, um, get Ericsson to set uh, a set of criteria um, so that we can, you know, basically 
you could say vet the people who were going to be on our projects right and so then basically the the whole program started through the company which they were basically getting people to be to be certified right and uh, the, the so they put out these these certification criteria and then you looked at them the certification criteria were not were not uh, technical right they were uh, criteria which were all all business related like how how the kind of consulting behaviors all these kind of things and so i was part of the first round to actually go through this and i looked at all the criteria and i looked at i've gone there's no way i can fill any of these criteria your experience in uh, sales uh, um, engagements and all this kind of stuff i go i'm just an engineer right i i don't know any of this stuff right and part of the the process of going through that i went through every single project that i went on and together with my manager and it was like okay so what did you actually really do what did you deliver what were you working on right so it was it was almost like in forensically looking at you know all of the work that you've done and really showing what you actually did what you actually delivered the kind of stuff that you were doing because we tend to forget or trivialize quite often particularly if you have imposter syndrome the work that we've done and so actually going through and listing it all down there and going okay yeah i realized okay yeah i could actually go through this certification and and get it done and managed to do that and then further on later down the track i actually went through and started mentoring uh, others to actually go through the certification it was the same kind of thing that people were going they're looking at the criteria and saying I can't do this. I I have no hope of doing this. And every single time you would go through and then you would, you know, kind of like go through each of the things and really talk through. I mean, what have you really achieved? What have you really done? What have you really delivered? And you actually, uh, people just really started framing how they actually saw their own work in in a bit of a different way and understanding the value of what they were actually doing. Right. And, and so this was, this was really kind of like a, so th- this is maybe a method of mentoring uh, in terms of, uh, you know, really going and, and, and looking and uh, understanding with people as you go through it. I mean, what value they're actually producing, what they were really doing and what they were really delivering and the value they delivered to the customers. Right. And uh, so so, you know, and, and this also, I think, works a little bit, you know, uh, engineers also can tend to be a bit more detail orientated with regards to this kind of stuff. So actually uh, going through that also, I mean, helps provide the evidence to basically say, hey, you know, this is what you've done, you know, and this is how good you are at what you've been doing. Sorry, Leandro, you're you going to say something. Mm, it's just because uh, you were uh, raising uh, one thing that I believe is super important because uh, uh, as I was also noticing in the tech now, there are those two um, different profiles that are matching on the same request from the market. So uh, sales engineers is just one of the examples that you were doing. And of course, uh, this one, now that I'm thinking a bit more deeply about it, will uh, affect a lot the the imposter syndrome that somebody can have as you were saying there are tons of skills that are requested for filling the position and you can have 75 percent of them but not all of them and then this can uh, can really create some uh, some issue in every single different person so 
Mm, how you see this, uh, uh, you Jason and of course also Nicholas, how you both see this growth of those uh, mixed and hybrid roles uh, in the tech? Mm -hmm. I mean, what I what I can say is that I mean this has been my own personal journey, I guess you could say, uh, through through being technical and then actually going into I guess more management product management roles that I'm that I'm taking now. And I mean, this imposter syndrome is still also something that I have to deal with now. You know, talking with VP CEOs and stuff like that, and people who have like masses of experience and on different boards and stuff like that, and. I still have this feeling I'm just a, a a tech person who doesn't know enough about business, right? <laughs> in in this kind of uh, way. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I I guess I guess from from my own e experience, uh, one one thing, and I know you, you know about how you how you deal with these kind of feelings is that. Uh, I one technique I think I've ended up doing is that if there's something that uh, I don't know, then don't be afraid to ask what it means, because I mean a, a lot of a lot of people will kind of like try to cover it up or not say something or something like this. But mm -hmm. um, I I think that uh, and it's and it can be difficult to do because that's also showing vulnerability and particularly you know there's in the high powered you know like uh, executive meetings etc. You can feel like oh. Everybody is trying to just show that they they're, they're on on top of everything. Everybody's alpha, you know this kind of stuff, right? But uh, I mean, being able to basically say, "Look, sorry, man, I, I I don't know what you're talking about. Can you explain it to me?" Right? Like if 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 you can get to to that point, and it's not all the time. I mean, that you can feel comfortable enough to do that. But uh, but it's uh, I think this is this is something you know that. Uh, it's quite likely that if you don't know uh, what something means, there's going to be other people within that meeting who also don't know what uh, what what the hell that person is referring to with that acronym or whatever, right? Like this kind of stuff. So, so I, I, I can definitely uh, uh, agree on that feeling. I, I think when 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 you're able to uh, convince yourself that it's okay to to show that vulnerability and mm -hmm. and that it's okay to show you don't have the knowledge in those areas right you're, you're the dumb run in, in in the room that's uh that's actually a huge strength both for uh for, for leading the conversation into something that's very valuable for for the outcome of what you're trying to do but but also for you as a person to uh to uh to feel comfortable and 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 uh and and not to uh to feel like you're an, in, an imposter in that meeting anymore to ask the dumb questions right yeah. I, I actually have just to come back to to the other topic uh, with with the two roles where you also started, Jason. Uh, for, from that question, I'm the opposite. So I I, uh, I studied a a business major and uh, and and gone down that route and process and I I know people mindset, but I'm working in tech, and I don't know too much about tech. So so that's kind of my uh, vulnerability, right? It's very difficult to go into some some. Um, some discussions uh, very often where I don't know what's right or wrong. So I have to rely a lot on, on other people's uh, opinions and try to navigate in that. Um, so so I, I definitely see that. And often, of course, uh, working in the consultancy industry, we face clients always saying we want uh, twice the uh, uh, the knowledge for half the price. So you're always faced with that. Well, I, I can't do both roles. I can't know everything right. So you have to to come at 
at a realization at, at some point in time to to accept that uh, this is just how it is and and you really have to deal with it but but just to to touch upon another topic because i've actually experienced the the opposite uh, situation as well where i was feeling like an an imposter but had the knowledge i was sitting in a room with a lot of very very senior people um a uh, lot of tech guys, and I came in as an agile coach. I know my stuff, uh, or, or back then that was kind of where I started my career and all of that. And and um, and we want to tr transform this big program here, right? And um, and a lot of people there had an opinion on how it should be done, and I had a feeling they were they were a bit off. So so I wanted to say my my opinion, and 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 I didn't. A lot of times I didn't until one great mentor of mine in, in my early stages of my career came into me and said, it might not be that you're an expert yet, but you're still the person here with the most knowledge. So just maybe sometimes also uh, relying on that the knowledge that you do have is sufficient, even though you do not know everything about the topic and there are people out there who is a better expert than you. It, it it might actually be better to rely on 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 that uh, gut feeling that uh, that you have in in terms of uh, stepping up and uh, and trying to uh, uh, challenge other people mm -hmm. in the room who are more senior than you are. I mean, I, I think I think you touch a, a interesting point here, right? Like that. Uh, I mean, we, we talk about like talking. I think particularly with people in quite senior positions, right? Is that I mean by nature when you move into more senior positions and you know i have a, a larger umbrella that you need to see over right is that you 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 can't go into the details you can't know the details right it's it's not really possible you see like the challenge you see with people who particularly coming from a technical group, uh, position and then coming into these kind of more senior positions and struggling to let go of the detail and knowing everything about uh, everything right um, because they're moving a little bit out of their silo and having to uh, have a, a larger scope. So it ends up being broader scope, but not as deep, right? You know, this kind of view, right? And so, you know, when you say, okay, I mean, when speaking to people in senior positions, I mean, invariably they they can't know details about certain things, right? They don't they don't have the, cap the, the capacity, the capability to actually do that. That's what they have other experts with them to actually uh, advise them on, right? So, you know, when you're talking, you know, you talk about your position in that particular instance, I mean, the point is that most of these guys are there, I mean, of course, you're going to know more of them because they, I mean, they're by nature looking at things from a, from a, a high level perspective, right? So, mm -hmm. so that, I think that's something we also need to kind of uh, recognize when we're actually talking to that kind of level of management, et cetera, that, I mean, the, the the level of knowledge that is there is quite general, right, and quite high level, right? So, yeah, agile, agile, you know, the details of agile coaching and stuff like that. I mean, of course, you're going to know the most, you know. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it really helps also putting yourself in other shoes, right? Understanding that, well, even though they are maybe uh, the alpha role in that specific uh, meeting we have for or. You also sometimes have to understand they're used to making decisions and and uh, making decisions based on very very little knowledge. So they're just going to throw out their opinions, no matter if 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 it's a hunch or or if actually uh, uh, 
if 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 it's in, in real based on, on on details and and a lot of knowledge, right? So understanding that, well, okay, this is where people come from, uh, and and it can also be the opposite. It can also be that that you don't feel like you have the knowledge, and sitting in a room, then understanding that other people in this meeting might have the same feeling as me. Just putting yourself in other shoes is also a great tool, actually, to uh, to understand. Uh, how 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 you can feel about yourself in such a situation? Looks that looks like we are going down to basically a very uh, single topic that is the self awareness of yourself uh, in the environment that you are. So you really need to strong and strong your um, your eyes in a way to see uh, yourself from a third point of view and having in this way the courage to do the step, uh, to raise your hand, uh, to talk uh, and to ask questions, uh, looks like. Yeah, and I think you guys have summed the, the foot. I mean, we started off on one kind of question and it merged into a bit of a snowball of, of loads of different things. So great conversation so far. Just to, to make sure everybody else has to can get around to their questions, Leandro, I believe you've got a, a question yourself surrounding something to do with imposter syndrome. I know we've briefly touched on how to deal with it when talking about your colleagues and and, um, and employees and stuff. But if you'd like to pose your question and give some, some context behind it for the guests. Of course, with pleasure. Um, just to share, but we were already giving some answers more or less in the previous uh, um, statements. So um, my doubt was basically about uh, how to uh, behave and what to do when we see that one of our colleagues or somebody in our inner circle is struggling with imposter syndrome. So what we can do uh, to help them as a manager, as a friend, as a colleague, <laughs> no matter what. I, I, I would probably, I mean, yeah, maybe answer the question with a question, um, which is, uh, I mean, how would you identify it? So, you know, maybe if you start from that point, because I mean, you know, the automatically from this like isolation perspective, I mean, it's unlikely someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, I've got imposter syndrome, right? So how do I identify it? That's uh, that, that that's what I would uh, maybe ask as a question back. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I, I think um, first of all, for me, it depends a lot if if, uh, if how I have the relationship with with the person here. Um, if I'm the manager, or if I'm a colleague, or if it's uh, it could also be a family member, a friend, or or something like that. Um, I think no matter what, the first thing I, I always would tend to do is to to uh, to identify which kind of imposter syndrome also are we, are we talking about here? What what, what is the root cause? And, and uh, actually back to, to the first topic we talked about with the five different uh, archetypes as well. So understanding what is this person dealing with and, and what is it rooted in? Like I mentioned, my wife is a total different imposter than I am. Not saying we are imposters, but that's how how we can feel, right? Um, but secondly, um, I I also think from a manager perspective, just thinking back on some of the experiences I've had in in big tech, uh, I, I I've been a manager for for some young people uh, in in my previous role as well, um, and and a lot of these people tend to to have the same kind of imposter syndrome, which is uh, the fear of failure. And um, 
fear of not having the knowledge. So as a manager, what we kind of did or what I did for, for my team there, um, on the fear side, I, um, I, I always wanted to touch upon the failures uh, when we had meetings also for the wider group of uh, of uh, of the organization actually to celebrate so the idea was to to uh, to make it to turn it around to to celebrate our failures and by then actually indirectly implementing a culture where it was uh, a good thing to to fail and and um, I, I think we overcame it in a way where the discussion was not anymore this is your this is your fear or this is something that you're bad at. The discussion was rather, this is something that you tried and and you risked it, and and that's a good thing in in tech and and uh, in innovation areas, right? You cannot you cannot really innovate if if you're not risking it, if if you're trying something new. So you have to try something new, and and then you have to tell yourself, I have to fail nine times before I I succeed once, and and that's okay. So um. So that's what what we did with with the fear of failure, at least, and the fear of knowledge. We uh, just long story short, um, you can also uh, measure how how many learning hours and how many batches and all that you have. So so we made it kind of a a fun thing that when you didn't have the knowledge, you can always go and 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 take the knowledge and learn it, and and then you can have more hours or whatever in in, in the learning tool. Um, not saying that the best or, or only way, but but it it worked in my group. Um, so uh, so so yeah, that was just some of the experiences uh, based on very specific situations that I uh, that I had with with my previous group here. Okay, but uh, I, I mean, with, with with regards to this, I mean, this sounds kind of like stuff which is maybe like kind of like just general like team stuff that you might do to kind of like help manage your team. But I mean. Uh, with regards to, I guess, as I understood Leandro's uh, question a little bit more, like uh, as if you have a specific person, right, that you identify in some form or another. And that was maybe also my question before is like, how do you even know that someone is suffering from imposter syndrome? There's some proactive stuff like what you mentioned, uh, Nicholas, like, OK, I can manage my team in this way to try to make sure that, you know, that uh, we 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 uh it's i call it like proactive kind of stuff that you would do um within your team but i mean how would you do and how would you identify some react reactively if you see that they are suffering or how would you even see that they're they're suffering right uh from right. from this syndrome right because i i myself i'm, I'm not sh i'm not really sure how uh, i mean uh, you could say i mean unless you have a specific relationship a very close relationship to colleagues and stuff like that that it's not as if they would come up and say yeah man i'm 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 you know express their vulnerability to you particularly as a manager right so i, I yeah i i definitely see your point um and i think uh, that specific uh, example that i had i was very lucky because see, it was kind of the, the the same thing for the entire team, and 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 they mirror themselves in in each other, right? But but I I definitely see your point uh, when when having only one person that you need to deal with. Leandro, you you wanted to say something first. I was just thinking about a, a, a very easy and simple that is not complete answer for the question of Jason. So how to recognize them is really and how to identify them is definitely the point before answering in how to behave, as you were already saying. Um, to make it simple, I would say 
if he's the person that is not talking to you, not raising the hands and not complaining about nothing, that's exactly the guy that we are talking about. But of course, I'm simplifying to the to the bone, of course, of the mm. situation. There are a lot of more complex uh, things to to consider, but uh, that's probably my approach to this. So mm. I will I will try to spot in the room the one that is in the corner, uh, not uh, having eye contact, uh, not raising the hands, uh, not trying to be part of it, or maybe there are some uh, um, some physical uh, aspect. Uh, lately, I'm also reading a book about the, the body, how the, the body communicate uh, of Joe Navarro that is absolutely stunning. And I believe that can help uh, also this because there are some pacifiers uh, as they are called uh, um, signs, like when we touch uh, our arms uh, or when we touch our legs uh, and we uh, sometimes the, the woman, the girls are touching their neck uh, and those are symbols that people uh, want to say something but they they can't so maybe mm, identifying the not verbal signs can be helpful to to find somebody that is afraid to say something because he feel uh, feel like a fraud mm-hmm. that's just uh, again one of the the possibilities uh, mm-hmm. i just throw my my two cents yeah I, I mean, I, I think that maybe one also quite typical uh, kind of uh, representation of this, right, is uh, is people who go in like a hero mode, right, like uh, overwork and, and, and this kind of stuff, right, where it's, it's basically this feeling that, uh, I mean, if, if I don't like go completely crazy on this, then I mean, I'm uh, I'm not I'm not doing the right job, right? I'm not doing it well enough, right? Absolutely. Because because I, I I think you see this in 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 this industry also a lot uh, this kind of uh, thing, you know, in the software development industry, etc. Right? Um, people kind of uh, doing this overwork uh, and really pushing themselves and and say like going going in hero mode. So I don't know. That would be one way. And I, I've seen people burn out in this context, right, uh, several times. Um, uh, and this has been like one common symptom I, I've seen. And uh, I also understand, like, uh, uh, probably, you know, at least personally recognize this less that another thing that people can actually have when they have imposter syndrome is is just procrastinate. They basically just go, no, I, I, I can't do it. Like, or, you know, they find all reasons not to not to do something. Right, so you got to like uh, <laughs> uh, kind of extremes on each side as a yeah. as, as a result, right? So, Leandro, are you, are you asking um, mostly to uh, how to identify this as a manager or, or as a colleague or, or what is the, the specific situation? I was remaining more generic, to be honest, because, of course, as Jason was uh, saying, is that we need to identify first uh, uh, to find a way to help. So I'm always trying to be a bit broad. Of course, here we are talking about uh, tech companies first, so probably mm. it's more relevant the example that Jason was saying, because of course, uh, hero mode uh, is something that is more visible uh, and uh, immediate to, to discover and to see, to start the treatment after. To, to me, I think the identification if somebody has imposter syndrome is, is very difficult um, because people are different. And, and the coping mechanism of having these feelings are also different. The symptoms can be very different. It's, it's of course, easy if you have a, a, a very ambitious extrovert person who just goes to you and seeks uh, coaching uh, to, to unravel 
that feeling right and and then you can coach that person but if we take the example of of the person who who doesn't go there and and who who, who feels this a lot and and um, don't really want to acknowledge it or is just being very passive like like the example you had leandro it's very difficult to to one thing is to identify it but of course if you have seen the, the the symptoms and and identified this might actually be be an issue here that might be something i can go and 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 look at and help on i think i think one thing that you need to accept both as a colleague and a manager you're not the one to fix it you can give all the support that you need but but uh, it, it's all about the the mentality of the person, uh, right? You you cannot take that burden on yourself, and and just uh, have this is one way we, we need to fix it. But but uh, uh, but that's another topic, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I I I mean you know maybe you know the way I kind of like consider it uh, is that I mean imposter syndrome is a type of stress, right? It's a a certain manifestation of stress, right? That so. Yeah, I mean, you can say like as a, as a, as a manager, you know, okay, um, uh, people can be stressed by many things, things outside of work, things within work, etc. So you're not responsible for someone's whole life, right? You know that uh, uh, stress has different components, right? But I mean, there is a certain amount that is within your control to try to help, right? And that and that's to do with the the environment within your team. So like the collaborative environment, the the way of recognizing people's achievements, like what you were saying, right? Recognizing failures, you know, as being okay and 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 stuff like this. But also, I mean, how you measure people as well. That you know that uh, it's not just about you know churning out lines of code and and this kind of stuff, but it's also about I mean, uh, how you encourage people to share information between each other, how you encourage them to basically uh, grow as a as a group and evolve as a group with their competence levels and this kind of stuff, right? So, so you know, I, I kind of, uh, uh, as I said, I mean, I, I kind of associate this to you know the same kind of ways that you would you would as a manager try to deal with people with stress of different types and I think that the manifestations that you will see of imposter syndrome are kind of in a, a similar kind of symptomatically I guess you could say and, and right. in some cases might even be the the, the course of having stress mm. so it yeah. can definitely um, yeah I, I I see them being in in the exact scenario as well yeah. and just to jump in there I do think it's good to uh, I know when we started the conversation, we somewhat answered the, your original question, Leandro. Um, but it's good, in my opinion, it's good to hear both sides of the coin, how you deal with it as an individual, also how to help others deal with it and how to spot it within others as well, just from your perspective as, as people managers and leaders, it's also really interesting to see. Um, so I definitely th think it was worth delving into that. Finally, though, Jason, you've got some, some a question for us. Um, would you like to list your question and give some context behind it? Yeah, yeah. Can you can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, thing, uh, things have dropped out for a second there, so just checking in. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, my my question. This is maybe a little bit more about um, I guess how how we view each each other uh, within within the industry and stuff like this. 
but my question was uh, around how social media and the so the kind of the evolution of basically the social media platforms like LinkedIn and uh, how this kind of like has also contributed to um, feel the prevalence of imposter syndrome. Um, uh, the the reason I say this, and I said, I, you know, I've been <laughs> in the industry for for a while. I mean, working for a while. I mean, you know, when I when I started out, I mean, everything was private, right? You, uh, with regards to applying for jobs, or you know, I mean, uh, even how jobs were published, etc., and how uh, the communication of your capabilities to others was all private but now I mean everybody has a profile on LinkedIn everybody basically is able to see everybody else's presentation of their own capabilities and so I think like it's you could say it's almost like a general social media uh, symptom right but applied to the professional area right we talk about you know uh, how influencers uh, in general social media actually uh make us feel about for example our our um our body type and stuff like this right but you know you could say that that can be translated into into social media for professionals so like like linkedin where you kind of like look and go okay i mean this particular job uh and what other applicants are there for it and you can see everybody else who's 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 interested and in stuff like this and just feel jesus i mean i'm i'm not worthy right <laughs> Um, so yeah, this was just a, yeah, maybe a little bit philosophical conversation uh, about it or just, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear you guys views on, on what you think impact, what impact, uh, social media has on how people, uh, can feel in, uh, this imposter syndrome. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I have a view on this. Um, and, and first off, I, I want to state that I, I really envy you guys for having experienced the, the world before social media. Uh, <laughs> I I got my first Facebook account. It, Facebook just came to Denmark when I was 13 years old, I think, and mm. and, I, and I of course got my account then, and um, and and I entered the job market with an existing LinkedIn profile. So mm. I've never actually experienced times before this. Um, so I'm I'm really interested in in, in hearing your guys' view on on it as well. Um, but but I definitely acknowledge that social media has a huge impact, in my opinion, on 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 um, on, on on more imposter syndromes out there. Like you you are constantly uh, mirroring yourself to others at all times, and and LinkedIn post is kind of your online resume. So it doesn't make sense to post your failures too often there. It's just your successes and 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 your accomplishments, and you always get in your face. This is how well others are doing at all times, and I think that is a very very dangerous um, situation, especially for for young people. I think for for, for you guys who are maybe have experienced this before already and and actually know how people are doing for people like myself I'm, I'm i think i'm starting to understand that now people are not only how great they they look on, on linkedin there's a person behind it right but i had many years where, where i thought i'm not doing well enough I, I need to work harder i need to to really press uh, to to push myself to go the extra mile on on the job because i i compare myself to people on linkedin um mm. I think it was only when I got my 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 child that uh, that I really understood uh, it doesn't matter at all. 
how to to mirror yourself and other people on, on LinkedIn. But I think it has a huge impact. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my my fear a little bit here is also, I mean, you know, with the prevalence now of, I guess, you know, different uh, a, a human resources, uh, um, services and, you know, like AI analysis of, uh, of, of data scraped from the internet or from, you know, different platforms and stuff like this. So you kind of think, I mean, that, that information that is actually being posted there is actually being the first step in actually overcoming or that you've got to overcome in order to get access to certain jobs or certain positions etc so in some sort of way you know when i uh, when i mentioned about this kind of like imposter syndrome to uh, to one of my colleagues uh, she she goes ah oh, is that a, is is that where you're just like faking it until you're making it <laughs> so it's almost like you know like like so that you actually are being an imposter right like uh, that you're um that you're lying about what what your capabilities are until you get enough capabilities and this kind of stuff right so it, you know and i was gonna i oh, know but i mean it's 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 it, it, when you talk about imposters and you talk about i mean that kind of feeling of being inadequate right and that may come about out of uh that kind of behavior Right. And then you say that, why are you being forced into that kind of behavior? Because of maybe something like social media and these kind of things. Right. So, so, you know, I, uh, yeah, that's what I kind of worry about here. I mean, also say like the prevalence of these tools, automation, this kind of stuff, which is basically using these presentations uh, of yourself um, for filtering purposes. Actually, I was thinking maybe it's not a, a very popular opinion, but anyways, I want to share with you because can be also the cure somehow LinkedIn, because when you read it, of course, uh, you feel like a fraud because everybody's better than you. But then if you if you overcome the moment to open, uh, write a new post and you start writing something, you can understand that you can write what you want. So you can be at the same level because there are the two possibilities. They are cheating or they're just exaggerating or is real, but also you can be real. So maybe can be also the cure if you see it also from this point of view. So it's not just the, the poison, but it, it is really stretched. We were talking about philosophy as Jason was saying. So <laughs> from this point of view, maybe uh, if we just move our uh, vision from uh, another side, can be. What do you think? I'm getting crazy. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I I see what you I see what you mean there, but uh, um, I I think the thing is like you say, okay, I, I can just you know what like be be fake like everybody else, <laughs> and then I I, I think okay uh, because you know I mean you can write anything on there, right? But uh, yeah. I think that okay, say you do that, and then later on you're gonna go, yeah, but I'm I'm. I'm, I'm not being truthful, right? So, you know, I'm, I, I am uh, putting, what do I say? I am being an imposter, right? So, you, you know, afterwards mm -hmm. you still think, you know, okay, because um, I'm not putting something which I believe is truthful of my own capabilities up there, right? So. I, I think it's going to change a lot over the uh, the next many years, actually. Like the, the social media is still a very, very new thing for humanity and us trying to navigate in, in in this space being able to have access to everyone's page and opinions and and whatever all the time is is very very new just looking at over the the, the past few years like when facebook just came out people just posted random stuff all the time they didn't know exactly how actually to 
to navigate in, in this space, right? But but now there's more of a different culture in terms of how you actually navigate on, on such a social media. LinkedIn is 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 a bit newer um and, and more young in, in in my opinion. Um or not in my opinion, if, if Facebook came first, of course, uh, facts. Um but looking at at in, in terms of how we socially interact with one another uh in a physical space, we have we have done that since we were born and and, and everyone has done that for a very, very long time. So I, I think how we interact with each other on LinkedIn will also change. I don't know yet if it's going to be for the better or for the worse. I think it's going to be for the better um, and, and more truthful and, and uh, more relevant posts and all of that. And I think people are still just trying to figure out now, uh, is this something cool to to put on LinkedIn or is it not? Yeah, for, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, we tend to talk about LinkedIn as being kind of like, you know, like your LinkedIn profile, right? Like a little bit like a CV there. But I mean, I, I think I'm seeing more and more, you know, I mean, as an engagement platform, right? So um, people people actually developing a, a an online presence in terms of what they're posting, what they're commenting on and stuff like that. And that also being part of your professional identity, right, as well. Mm -hmm. So then if you translate that to i mean i guess a lot of the 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 most uh, recent criticisms of social media and and misinformation and this kind of stuff and ai deep fakes etc then you know i guess another flip side of that you could be really pessimistic and say jesus i mean this could just become uh, uh yeah i mean uh, really difficult to figure out what is true and what is not that's what so, I was thinking, to be honest, because the, from yeah. the optimistic point of view of Nicholas, uh, uh, probably because he was saying that he is the younger. So <laughs> we are we have more the pessimistic uh, part of uh, our brain that is going to say, OK, if now there is the 50 percent of the people that are suffering from imposter syndrome in few years, it's going to be 99.99 percent because uh, the LinkedIn evolution and everybody writing and uh, trying to do their best and showing up just the best and not the failures and blah 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 so mm. that's that's interesting uh, to think about uh, i think it's very very it's it's a very important aspect and thank you for bringing it up jason I, i'm my 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 mother is a uh, a school teacher and and already there i think it is so important to bring up social media in terms of the imposter syndrome because people are from a very very young age in the world now mirroring themselves in other people at all times also other things than, than than LinkedIn. So kids are starting to having imposter syndromes and, and it, it's a huge issue in terms of actually feeling good about themselves. We have the highest depression we've had in, in a very, very long time, especially with young people. And, and this constantly being faced with how people are having successes online and often it's, it's, it's uh, uh, false. It's, it's misinformation and it's just people uh, showing a lot of things that, that is not true, but people are impacted by it and it doesn't need to be in the workspace, but those people are going to be in the workspace in, in a couple of years, right? And 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 that that's a very, very dangerous topic, uh, looking at uh, social media from, from that uh, impact on the imposter syndrome and young people, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, maybe it's kind of like looping back onto kind of what I, what I mentioned at the start of the podcast, right, that, uh, um, and we can talk about everything, you know, because, you know, they say, uh, you know, imposter syndrome is not an actual diagnosable syndrome, right? I mean, 
but the thing is that uh, as a part of uh, you know uh, stress, uh, anxiety, depression, etc. I mean, this can be very, very serious, right? I mean, and that 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 aspect of it and where what it can be a part of is medically diagnosable, right? So we have to be also they say be be quite uh, careful. Like I mean, there are some people who really uh, would be in need of professional help, right? To to deal with some of this stuff, right? There's so there's there's so much we can do within our workplace and stuff like that. But I mean, there is also a medical side to this as well that may need to be uh, referenced as well, you know. So we, we just have to be mindful of that, that uh, that I mean, this stuff can be quite serious for people. You look at you just have to look at like places like uh, um, Japan with such high, high rates of suicide and stuff like this relating to to uh, corporate failures and stuff like this. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not uh, it, it not necessarily is the a trivial matter. Right. <laughs> I think it just got a bit depressing quite fast. Does anybody want to go down one more rabbit hole that's a bit more uh, lighthearted before we wrap when, things up? When, or? when I heard the thing about AI taking over and misinformation and, and all that, I, I thought, okay, that's at least 10 more uh, podcast episodes to, to go down that route. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, guys, I think we've covered a lot here. Uh, I think we've had a really insightful one here, like, so much stuff covered, really conversational, and you know it's a good podcast when I don't have to say much. <laughs> so you guys really did steal the show on that one, which is great. Um, before we end the podcast, I'd have to say thanks again to all the guests for, for sharing their thoughts. They've been Nicholas, Jason, and Leandro. Um, and finally, just a note to the listeners, if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, please do drop me a message. Jake Stamp on LinkedIn, or you can also find me via email, jake.stamp at evolution-nordics.com. Thanks again to all the guests and thanks for listening.